But today is a little bit different. Today is going to be special. Not every Friday is special, but today is significant because all of the children are in the room today. And so to all of you under the age of 12, but over the age of three, who are not usually with us right now, I say welcome. We're very glad to have you with us, joining your moms and dads in the worship gathering. And so it truly is a joy to have you. So welcome. When we get together every Friday and you're in your classes learning, we're doing the same thing in here. Your, your parents are learning how to love, to trust, and to obey Jesus, just like you're learning in your classes. And so this morning will be a continuation from a sermon from two weeks ago. If you were here, as we were concluding our series called Becoming, we were considering for weeks on, on becoming who God has made us to be out of Colossians 3. And as we finished that series, the last paragraph in Colossians 3, we talked about sanctification in the mundane, in the realities of being at home, being a parent, and going to work, and just the normal routines of life, how God uses that to sanctify us for His glory. And today, we're going to continue that with our children in the room. And so the the old saying really does ring true, repetition is the mother of all learning. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6, where we're going to spend our time this morning. For those of you that do have younger children, no, this will not be a full-length 45-minute sermon. It won't be 10 minutes either, but it won't be 45. It'll be, what, 42 minutes maybe. No, no, I'm just kidding. It'll be a little bit briefer because I understand attention spans, but we do want to feed our souls from God's Word. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and God's Word says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen. Let me give you the main idea. This is the primary truth that we're seeing here in this paragraph of Scripture. As we do every week, we want the Scripture to speak to us. We want God to reveal Himself to us so that we can then respond to Him with worship. Worship being valuing him above all else. So the primary truth in this text here is that God designs the home to be a display of his glory. That's what we're looking at here in this text is that God designed the home to be a display of his glory. Now, I know what some of you are thinking because I heard it two weeks ago. I'm not even married yet or I don't even have any children. Or maybe you're saying, well, I do have kids, but they're all grown up and they don't live here. And so I'm not really parenting them anymore. Well, that's not entirely true. But whether you have kids or not, whatever age they are, what we're going to see here from God's word is the absolute truth. It's focused on him and on his gospel. This is a message that our world today is truly desperate to hear. We live in an age of intentional orphans. That's the way I see it when I look at the world. 
is we have a world of people that quite honestly desire to be orphans. Now, they wouldn't say it that way, but their heart reveals otherwise. There are countless young adults that just can't wait for the day where they can just rid themselves of their parents. And maybe you're in the room right now, maybe you're a teenager, and you know what I'm talking about. You can't wait to finally be 18, to graduate from high school, and get out. You're, you're done. You're tired of mom and dad, and you want to rid yourself of them and their rules and their authority, and you are what I'm calling desiring to be unintentional orphan. And, and the media doesn't help. The media actually propagates this. When you watch TV shows on Disney, now I don't let my kids watch a lot of this because I don't like it, but TV shows that are really funny and that you laugh, but the reality is these TV shows are directed towards children and young teenagers or like preteens. And these TV shows, they're all the same. It is remarkable how every TV show has the parents or the, uh, the father figure, if there's not a parent in the storyline, but there's always the parents who are idiots, right? The parents are dumb, and they're out of touch, and they're not with it. And the children in every one of his episodes, every show, kids, you know what I'm talking about. You know you watch these shows on Disney, and Disney XD, and all those other, Nickelodeon, you, you know what I'm talking about. These TV shows, the kids are cool. The kids, they're hip. Can you say hip anymore? I'm not hip, so I don't know. But, but the kids are cool. And the kids are with it. And they're the stars of the show. And the parents, the parents are the problem. That's the average TV show that, you're, that you're, your kids are watching. And, and these lies seep into their mind and down into their soul, and our children begin to believe it. They do. We live in a world that is marked by rebellion, and where things like life experience and wisdom, no, those things are rejected. Who wants life experience and wisdom? We have a generation that is marked by young adults that practically want to be orphans. We must rediscover God's vision for the home. Because the home is not a result of evolutionary social realities that just exist because humans tend to just create their own little communities. The home is not a result of evolution. The home is a gift from a holy God. The home is God's idea. The family is designed by the creator to be a mirror. The family, your home should be a mirror that reflects the character of God. That's why your home exists, to reflect the character of God and his relationship with his people. How Christ loves the church. That's what marriage is. And having children is the overflow of that. And so the home, the family is designed to be 
a reflection of the glory and beauty and grace and forgiveness of God. And yet, God is the king. He is the authority. And so there must be structure and authority in the home or it unravels. And now God's glory is not being displayed. And so God designed the home to be a display of his glory. Now let's talk practically here. How? How is God's glory displayed in the home? There are two truths in this text. Two of them applied to parents and to children on how fulfilling roles revealed by God for parents and for children, how then his glory is displayed to a lost and broken world that is desperate for him and his grace. So number one, God's glory is displayed in the home when, number one, when parents discipline and instruct their children. When parents discipline and instruct their children, God's glory is displayed in the home. Verse 4 in this paragraph reads, Fathers, and of course, by extension, that would include mothers as well. So, fathers, mothers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, that word discipline, what that word means in the original, so just giving you a sense of what's being revealed here. The word discipline refers to teaching or to training. This refers to the, like, holistic education for your child. And so he's saying, teach, instruct, train your child. But then he says, instruction, now that includes a sense of correction. And so it's teaching, but also correcting. And both are focused on the Lord. Bring them up with what? With discipline and instruction of the Lord. So it's focused on God. We talked about last week, the center of it all, where God must be the center of everything that we think, desire, do, and say. Well, God must be the center of your home. He must be the center, all of it, in the Lord. So, parents, we are called to teach and to lead our children to find and follow Jesus. We talked about this last week. That is the heart of discipleship. Helping people to find and follow Jesus. To make and develop disciples. This is what Jesus told us to do. To find and to follow him. And so basically, parents, fathers and mothers in this room, you and I, we are called to discipleship in our homes. Our church, the mission of our church that we want to be so crystal clear on everything that we do is to glorify God by making and developing disciples. And accomplishing that mission begins in your home. Are you sharing the gospel, the good news of Christ, regularly, intentionally, from the word, with your children, so that they have a hunger for Jesus? What are your children hungry for? Well, what are you feeding them? We read early in the worship gathering from Psalm 78. Beautiful text. With this calling to teach our children. He says in verse 7, teach why? So that they should set their hope in God. We teach about the mighty works of God, about his glory, what Jesus did on the cross. We, we teach everything about who Jesus is so that they will set their hope in God. 
You see, we at our church, I feel so privileged to serve with people that get it. I love it. That understand that we all have to contribute and that we don't want anyone to come and just sit in a chair and check out. That's not what it's about. It's about being engaged in the mission with the people of God for the glory of God. And so we have a small army that week in, week out, teach your children. And look, look what happens on a day where they're all out of town for holiday. Your, your kids are in here, which is, by the way, not a bad thing. But we want your children to be learning on their level, to learn how to love, trust, and obey Jesus on their childhood level. And so our kids' ministry, off Island Kids, is critical to our church's health. But let me just be very clear. Just so, let's just be very clear here this morning. The responsibility to teach your children lies on you. It is your responsibility. There are 168 hours in a week. We have your kids for less than one. You're all the 167, you have them. Yes, they're asleep, part of that, and eating and playing, and going to the bathroom, and going to school. So I know you don't have all of those minutes, but you have a very healthy chunk of that 167 with your kids. How are you using it? The one hour that we have your kids that we're teaching them is not enough. You must teach them to love, trust, and obey Jesus. The church's role is to come alongside of you and to assist you, to help you as you disciple your children. So your role as a father and as a mother is not primarily to provide food and shelter and education. That's not what it is. You are an agent of God. You represent God to your child. And it is very helpful for us to do this, to discipline and instruct them through the normal rhythms of life. Let me give you some practical wisdom here. It's on the screen. Some key teaching times throughout the day. Just normal rhythm of life. And most of us in here are parents. We have a lot of young families. And so I hope you're really paying attention to this because this will help you. Normal rhythms, so key teaching times. One, the first one is family devotionals. Now, family devotionals is more of a formal teaching time. This is time that you set aside on a regular basis. The goal should be every day. I understand not to be a legalist here. There is grace. But it should be part of your normal weekly routine where you sit together as a family or at least you as a father or mother, if one's working late or not home, then at least one parent, ideally both, if schedules permit. I understand that can be difficult at times. But at least a parent on a very regular basis, sitting with your children and reading the Bible with them and praying with your children. And so if you have small ones, like a lot of you do, begin with the simple one, like the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's a remarkable resource, the Jesus Storybook Bible. If you don't own it, get it. It's a great resource that will make your heart stirred and your worship as you're reading it to your kids. Now, as your kids get a little bit older, they're going to not engage with that because that's designed for younger children. Maybe above age seven or eight, they're going to kind of outgrow that. That's okay. What you do is you mature to the actual 
Bible. Yes, you can use this one with your children, and you need to. And when the kids get older, you read a, a text, and then you ask simple questions, like we do in our home group. We talk about observation, meaning, and application. So, so first, you make observations. You ask the question, what does God's Word say? What does it say? And after you've talked about what it says, number two, meaning. You ask the question, what does this mean? And then number three, application. In light of that, how must I change? So how do we apply this truth to you, eight-year-old, going to school today? How do we apply this as we're going to bed, if it's in the evening, in light of the day you just had, or how we're going to live tomorrow? So I'm not being a legalist on when you do it, but it has to be a regular part of your life. If you have teenagers, I would encourage you to use a discipleship book with them, like we use in our adult discipleship groups. You can do that with with your kids. I would encourage you to be intentional with formal teaching times like devotionals. But there's also, secondly here, next part of life and rhythms of life is just daily activities. Life is not just formal. Life also is informal. There's times that you're driving in the car. There's times that you're just playing a game or you're walking in the mall. Life is not just sitting. I mean, believe it or not, in my home, we don't just sit all day reading the Bible. We don't. Last night we played sorry. And, and your pastor had to have self-control and not get angry when his children were being very vindictive in how we were playing sorry last night. And so you have the opportunity to display the forgiveness and grace of God as you play board games with your kids. I'm not even kidding. I'm serious about this. You're showing your character in in just the normal daily activities and routines of life. When you're in the car, don't waste it. Use that opportunity to engage in conversation. Make it meaningful and spiritual things as you get older. As your kids get older, maybe teenagers, you could have a coffee with them. Non, you know, decaf, of course. Or a tea. Or whatever you drink in your home. Sit down and talk with your child. Engage in spiritual conversations on how is your Bible reading going? How is it going in your prayer life? Yes, ask your children these questions especially as they get into their teenage years. You must be intentional and formal, but also informal, just the daily normal activities of life. Use them intentionally. The next, next key time is meals, mealtime. That's a big part of life, isn't it? I mean, I would hope that you're having at least one meal as a family together. I understand schedules can be hectic, but as much as possible, I would highly encourage you as much as possible to sit together as a family with the TV turned off and have a meal together. A wonderful time, if it's dinner, to discuss how was your day? How did it go? How did you glorify Christ? And I'm, I'm serious about this. Like really asking meaningful spiritual questions of your children on how their day went. If it's at breakfast, you can talk about the day to come and how they're going to follow Christ on that day. Use mealtime to focus on Christ. But there's also bedtime, the next key teaching time. This is normal rhythm of life, bedtime. Bedtime is a really special time 
to connect with your child, especially the ones that are younger. Do not squander bedtimes. Don't go to bed without having prayed with your kids. Don't do it. Model to them that we rest in Christ. And as we lay our heads to rest, or after a day of seeking to glorify him, of following Jesus, and and we rest, we do so because our God is sovereign over us. And we are trusting him as we rest for the evening that we'll wake up in the morning to do it again to keep following Jesus, to keep displaying his glory, to keep being sanctified again, to display his glory. Seize bedtimes. Read the word, read a Bible story, pray together. So these are some key teaching moments throughout the day. But remember this, outside of these, you are always teaching. Hear me. You are always teaching. When you go to the grocery store, and no one in here, of course, but when you see other parents that they're in line, or I'm sorry, they're in the queue in the grocery store, and and the child is very angry and wants the candy, and is throwing stuff on the floor, and, and throwing a tantrum because that child wants that candy or he's going to die. And the parent says, here, 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 here's the candy. And the child gets happy, and he's eating his candy before he pays for it. Okay, that parent just taught that child something. You're always teaching. You're always communicating values. What was taught to that child? That child was just taught that when you want something, if you get angry enough, and yell loud enough, and cry enough, then you'll always get your way. Just make a fuss. Don't submit to authority. Usurp authority. Impose yourself. And it'll go great for you. And this mentality continues into adulthood. And then we're adults. And we're on the floor crying and angry because we want what we want. And we're demanding from God. And God, who is a good father, says, no. I want that I want it. And Father in heaven who loves you says, no, my son, no, my daughter, that's not good for you. It'll ruin your dinner. You can't have that. I have a bigger, better plan for you, and it does not include that. And so will you trust me enough to be calm and rest in my sovereignty and know that I love you, and I'm working this out for your good and for my glory? And so we're constantly teaching our children about life and who God is. And so when when your children see you at church behaving a certain way and then at home behaving a very different way, you're teaching that there's a Friday faith. It's only on Fridays. only matters on Fridays. And so we're teaching your children that. Or when we say that we love Jesus, but really our kids see us loving our possessions more, they're seeing that it is possessions that give joy, not Jesus. When we have our angry outbursts at home, our kids see that, and they say, oh, Jesus doesn't give peace, angry, anger is okay. We're communicating that. Whenever your children never see you sharing the gospel with lost people, when your children never see you serving the church, they think, oh, 
following Jesus is sitting in a chair on Friday morning. That's what it means to follow Jesus. We're teaching. We're always teaching. What do you love and value the most? Your kids know, by the way. They know. Because they live with you. They see you. Inconsistency will sabotage your child's faith. The thinking goes with mom and dad. Don't take it seriously. Why should I? They know what you love. The foundation here for being a God-glorifying parent is love. That's the foundation is loving God and loving your neighbor. That includes the person who lives in your house. You have to love your children enough to want them to experience the joy of knowing and submitting to Jesus. God's a perfect father. He disciplines us out of love. And we must love our children enough to say no. To lead them well. See, God loves you too much to leave you how you are. We must love our children enough to instruct and discipline them well. Number two, this is a briefer point. It's more for the children, but it applies to the parents too. Second, God's glory is displayed in the home when children obey and honor their parents. So when parents discipline and instruct their children, God's glory is displayed. But then when children obey and honor their parents, that is when God's glory is displayed. Now, let me just remind you of something briefly here. In Ephesians chapter 6, we have this calling in verse 1 for children to obey their parents. Why? Because it pleases God. And then in verse 2, he quotes Exodus 20, verse 12, which is number 5 of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. He quotes that here. Now, before we apply this to the children, remember the Ten Commandments were given to all of God's people, not just to adults, not just to kids. This was given to all of the assembly, all of God's people, which includes adults, clearly. Don't think that God gave nine commandments to adults and then he threw one in for the kids. No, all ten are for the adults as much as it is for the kids. So the call to honor your father and your mother applies to you as an adult. So if you're in the room but you don't have any kids, but you probably have a parent, are you honoring your father and your mother. What is the quality of the relationship with your parents? How do you speak about your father and your mother? Are you reconciled with your father and your mother? Is living in Abu Dhabi has made it very easy for you to disconnect and to just forget and to ignore and to not pursue a healthy relationship with your parents? Do not ignore this. Don't ignore this. This is God's word for his people, for our good and for his glory. We must be reconciled with our parents. And being an adult doesn't change that. This is still timeless truth. But this does apply to children as well, clearly. Children in the room, are you listening? 
kids. You are called in this text here from God's word. You are called to honor your father and your mother. And right now as a child, you honor your father and your mother by obeying them. And when you obey mom and dad, you're actually obeying God. You are not obeying them first and foremost because who put your mom and dad in your life? God did. And who made mom and dad the authority in your life? God did. And so just like your parents submit to God's authority, you must submit to your parents' authority. The life of submitting to authority never ends. We will always have to submit to authority. Always. Your mom and dad submit to authority, and you must submit to theirs. You must obey your mother and your father. The foundation for obedience to your parents is love. God tells us that if you love him, you will obey his commandments. If you love and honor your father and your mother, you will obey them. So let me ask you this, children in the room, how? How do you obey your mom and dad? I have three phrases that each one of you children need to learn. Number one, you obey right away. When mom gives you an instruction or dad, you obey them immediately. If you're watching TV, you turn it off. If you're playing a video game on your, on your iPad, and dad says, come, I need your help. Or mom says, come help in the kitchen. You don't say, when the stage is over, on the next commercial. No. Right away. You obey your parents right away. Second, you obey how? All the way. You don't do it halfway. You obey all the way. And then lastly, with the happy heart, with the good attitude before God. That's how you obey your mom and dad because this is how mom and dad are called to obey King Jesus. It's the same. It doesn't end. It's a life of enjoying God by obeying him. So children, I want you to say it with me. I want you to repeat it, right? Number one, how do you obey? Right away. Number two, how? All the way. And then how? With a happy heart. That is how you obey, and your moms and dads are going to help you because they love you to do this because it's good for your soul. It's good for you to learn to obey to your parents now so that when you're an adult, you will trust and obey and love Jesus. And you're learning how to do it now. Now, children, let's talk for a second. Are your parents perfect? No, right? Do your parents get it wrong sometimes? Do your parents always understand you? No. No, they don't. So let's just be honest. Are your parents perfect? No. But let me ask you this next question. Do you always obey your parents? Are you perfect? No. So are you less flawed than your parents? No, you're equally flawed. You're equally sinful as mom and dad are. Guess where you got it from? From your parents. Guess where they got it from? From their parents. Guess where they got it from? From their parents. All the way up to the father, Adam. We're all sinful. We all need God's grace. We all need to obey God. And you must obey your parents because God calls you to for your own good and for your own blessing. Parents, 
God designed the home to be a display of his glory. So your home must be centered upon the gospel of Jesus. Your children need Jesus. They need the grace of God. They need the forgiveness of God. They need God's word. They need to be led. Will you lead them? Your home should reflect the love that God has for his people. Jesus loved us so much. He became a human at that first Christmas, died on the cross, was resurrected. He paid the price for our sin, our guilt, our shame. He nailed it to the cross, resurrected powerfully, is alive today, and offers forgiveness to anyone that will completely trust in Jesus. And your home must reflect that grace and forgiveness that you have received. I love the promise here as we close. This is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The promise of the land has been expanded for those of us that are in Christ. We have an eternal inheritance awaiting for us. Heaven awaits us. And the Spirit of God, those of us that have trusted in Christ, that he's in us, he changes our hearts so that we want to do, that we love the things that God commands. So a desire to obey is the evidence as an adult or as a child that you love Jesus. May we be an obedient people that displays the beauty and majesty of God. Will you pray with me? Father, you are remarkable. We thank you for the joy of being your people, being able to worship you in spirit and truth, We thank you that you are our Father, that you father us perfectly. We who are flawed parents need you. We pray for your grace and wisdom that you would help us. Help us to be a church that is truly obedient to your word, both children and adults, so that people will see that our lives are truly different and marked by your grace. We praise you for you are worthy. We pray in the name of of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Don't we serve a glorious God?